welcome to the Essential Artistry Podcast, exploring erotic awakenings and liberated love. I'm your host, Luna Agnea, Essential Arts and Intimacy Facilitator, Relationship Coach, Tantrika, and Artist with a Passion for the Path of Liberation Through Love. In this podcast, you will receive first-hand stories of sacred erotic awakenings, transformational experiences, and love that goes beyond limits. This podcast is here to inspire, educate, and awaken your own sensual artists. Because when you liberate your eros, you liberate your life. Today's episode is an outtake from the Sex and Love Satsang, which is a new free monthly offering that I'm doing in the Sensual Artist community, which you can get access to through my website. It's a space where each month I start talking about some relating principles and approaches and then invite Q&A and discussion based around those of people's lives so you can bring your own relationship queries along for it so yeah enjoy this section of the replay uh if you want to go on the site you can find the replay that will have also the q a and some guided meditation welcome to anyone watching the recording and those on the podcasts who will only hear the next bit <laughs> so yeah, today the topic that I wanted to speak to is about stories and the way that our stories about life, about ourselves, about people affect our relationships and our sexuality and basically our entire lives. Uh, she felt super alive, like with all the things happening in the world at the moment. Like, and it was just really interesting to see a lot of things when it comes to even massive global things like war all come down to the stories that we're believing about people um, you know religion is entirely based off a story that's retold and believed and passed down and and uh you know our stories can you know have small effects on our lives or they can have massive effects on our lives when I'm talking about stories, I'm talking about things like there's no good men out there or, you know, there it's just no way that I could do that thing. I'm just not that person or uh, you, you never show love to me, <laughs> you know, like these kind of classic ones that can come up in arguments and relationship. And there can be stories about ourselves like, uh, you know, I'm just such a messy person. I'm never going to get my shit together. Like that can be a story that we can carry around. And when we believe our stories, then we basically make them true a lot of the time. So a lot of us will create stories based off real life situations and events. So uh, you know, the real common one is like, oh, there's just no good men out there. All the good ones are taken or something. I hear women say this all the time in the dating world. And, you know, obviously this comes from a place. Maybe they've been really trying dating and they're just not having any luck or not attracting the right partners. And maybe they've had like some unlucky relationships and things like that. And then 
they kind of gather evidence based off that and create a story. And if you really question that story, then of course you'll see that it's not actually true. Uh, that, you know, if you ask any person like, okay, can you give me an example of maybe three men in your life that are really great guys and maybe are not sexually or romantically attracted to them, but like that they exist and that they're out there. And then of course you would be able to find equal amounts of evidence for that. And yeah, when we, but then if we tell ourselves a story over and over again, there's no good men out there, you know, I've tried everything. There's just nothing that can be done. And we keep telling ourselves that story, then we're going to keep finding evidence to prove that it's true. Because the funny thing about the ego is that it would rather be right than be happy. So my teacher always says this. And like, when you really get it, then you're like, wow, this is quite intense. Like, the the meaning of it that like we would rather validate to ourselves that we're right and and prove to ourselves that our stories about the world are true than to actually be happy of course until you've done the work to pull apart your stories and live in alignment with truth uh, which is the whole point of personal development and spiritual work essentially is to start questioning a lot of these things and questioning our stories and finding out what's actually true but yeah, it's really interesting as well. Like if we hold a story about someone else, like I might have a friend and I'm like, oh, they're really selfish. They're a selfish person. And I just have this story that they're selfish, maybe because they did something selfish once, or maybe that they just have certain behaviors I don't approve of, or uh, there's a bit of a shadow projection, maybe because like they're really self-confident and they have really good boundaries and I don't and then I project on them like oh they're really selfish because maybe they're actually embodying something that I want to be that I haven't quite grasped yet and and I'm getting triggered by them but maybe it is something true you know this person's selfish and then if I'm holding that energy and that belief around them they're going to be picking up on this judgmental energy and that something's not right and then Maybe then when they're interacting with me, they're feeling kind of like contracted. They're feeling judged. They're like, okay, like something doesn't feel right here. So then when I ask them to help me out with something, they're like, yeah, no, I'm kind of busy right now or I've got my own thing. And then I'm there like, oh, evidence, they're selfish. (laughs) But really like there's a funny thing happening where my story that I'm holding on to about them is causing this kind of like tension and this resistance in this person that actually then creates the behaviors that prove my story right. And this, yeah, just plays out in so many ways in relationship. And, you know, I still see like, after years of doing inquiry work and trying to pull apart stories, like a lot of the really big ones are quite clear and like, okay, that's clearly a story, but it will still be really subtle. Like there'll be this really subtle kind of story that's not really formed in words, but it's just kind of underlying. And so you have to really like get extra sleuthy with a magnifying glass sometimes to be like, okay, like I've, there's clearly some tension or clearly something going on. Like, what is the story that maybe isn't in my total conscious mind? Maybe I'm not telling myself and speaking it out loud, but there's something 
under the surface that I'm holding around this story. So yeah, we got to constantly be kind of checking in around, is it really true? And the thing about reality is that things can be simultaneously true and not true at the same time. Life is just a paradox like that. So, you know, you can have a story and there can be an element of truth in it. So there, there can be something like that you are picking up on an actual pattern or behavior or, or something that has an element of truth in it. But when we're doing inquiry, we're trying to see like, could the opposite be just as true as the thing that I'm believing? So if I have a story about my partner that's saying like, oh yeah, like he's, um, you know, he's always saying he's going to do these things and then he doesn't do them. And like, you know, this is always a thing going on. Um, and then maybe I, I kind of blow it up and like, you're always saying, or you never like when you, once you start saying like always or never, then you know, you're in a story. <laughs> it's like, you're always saying you're going to do this thing and then you don't do it. You never do it. So it's, you always hear couples saying this kind of stuff. Because, yeah, maybe there's been five or six times that that has happened. But then the inquiry process is to then sit with that, be like, okay, like there is a pattern showing up that is saying, like, they've said they were going to do something and they didn't do it. And now I'm feeling a contraction or some resistance or some struggles around it. It's not feeling good. And I could go to my partner and yeah, start yelling at them, or I could go back into myself and say like, okay, um, could the opposite be true that they do the things that they say that they're going to do? And then I want to look for examples that that's true. So it's like, okay, well, they said they'd do that and they did it. And then you usually find that it's probably like 95% of the time they do the thing that they say they're going to do. And it's actually only 5% and we have a negative bias in our brains, which is an unfortunate thing about being human, but was essential to our survival that we're going to always like focus more on the negative because that's the thing that could potentially harm you or kill you. So our survival brain is kind of made to focus on the negative. We can train ourselves to focus a bit more on the positive. And then you can also turn things around to yourself and say like, okay, when do I say I'm going to do things and then I don't do them because Usually if we're getting triggered by an action in another person, it's because like there's an element of that within us that we have rejected or denied within ourselves. So always checking in on this, like, okay, do they do the opposite? And then do I do the thing that I'm judging them for? And usually when we do this reflection, then we can start to see like, okay, like the charge starts to drop. Like, okay. <laughs> I was really focused on this negative thing. Now I'm able to see that, okay, maybe it's not always true. And maybe I also do that thing. So I'm not going to be as attacky and defensive about it. So I can start to see that. And yeah, then we can start to like allow stories to dissolve a little bit. So if you've done Byron Katie's work, then you're probably familiar with like this turnaround process that I just mentioned. There's lots of other ways of doing inquiry too. Uh, I find I like to have uh, meta turnarounds, I call them, where instead of doing a direct turnaround from he never does the things he says he's going to do, 
to he does do the things he says he's going to do i i try to kind of pull out even further and look at it from a more bird's eye view you could say consciousness eyes view and to see like okay you know we humans in general are going to have the desire to do stuff and sometimes we're going to have the capacity for it and sometimes we're not so that's just the way that humans are and the way it is to be a human that <laughs> we're gonna like want to do a whole bunch of stuff we're gonna like really have this intention to do these things and some of them are going to get done and some aren't and that's just the way that life is so once i see from that perspective then i also drop the charge and drop the frustration so it's the same then if if it's dating and you're telling yourself a story that like oh yeah it's hopeless i'm too old no one's ever gonna date me um there's no good people out there. All the good ones are taken. Like all these kind of stories that we can start to develop based on some evidence in our lives that maybe sometimes that has been true. Then we can start to notice like, yeah, what what happens when I believe that story? Like I know when I think about something like that, like, oh, there's no good people out there and it's hopeless. Then I kind of shrink and I contract and I feel like heavy and blah. But when I tune into like, yeah, there's a big world and there's plenty of fish out in the sea and there's lots of amazing humans out there and like into this space of openness and possibility, then I feel more open and relaxed in my body, which feels for me good and better. And also a little bit more true where it's like, okay, like I've been having some bad luck in dating, but I... I'm open to the possibility and I trust that, you know, there are a lot of beautiful humans out there. And then I'm going to try to look for evidence that that is true and start to focus my attention more on that. Like noticing like, oh, that was a really lovely person. Oh, I, I you know, my friend just met this really amazing human and now they're dating and like, wow, there are really cool people out there. So we start to pull out of our story and uh, look more openly and positively and to, yeah, also look for evidence uh, in our life to show that the opposite can be true. And yeah, this is super important in longer term relationships because this is where we get a lot of stories about our partners and this causes a lot of conflict because if we're around someone all the time, then we're gathering all this evidence because, you know, the brain is always kind of analyzing like, okay, what are the patterns? What's happening? How does this person behave? What's well, like a normal response that they have to certain things? So we're going to create stories. That's just what the brain does. But the issue is when we believe our stories and we hold that energy that the story is true and then we start to change our behavior to people around it. So one of my favorite things in conscious communication is just to own the story. So instead of just saying like, you never do this and you never do that and you don't love me and you said this and that and blah, is to just be like, hey, like there's a story running in my mind that like you don't actually really um, find me attractive anymore and I know it might not be true but based on the kind of stuff that's going on in our lives and the fact that we haven't been intimate in a few months like that's what's going 
on in my mind and I wanted to check in like, you know, is that true or um, maybe I'm looking for a bit of validation or something. So this ownership over the story and this recognition that it is a story and you don't know if it's true or not and maybe there's an element of truth in it maybe it's all true maybe it's not true at all <laughs> but like owning the story and owning that this is coming from your mind based on your past and your history not just with this partner but with your parents and past lovers and all kinds of things like all this accumulated uh, evidence and experiences and all this kind of stuff that comes into the present moment and into the present situation and changes your lens. And people tend to be a lot more open and responsive to hearing you say that you have a story running, that this thing is happening, rather than you just like going at them like it's true. <laughs> so I think you can, you know, imagine for yourself in a conversation with a partner if they're coming at you like do you don't find me attractive anymore you're always looking at other people like I don't even know why we're together anymore and like they're speaking these things that are going on for them as if it's just fact and as if it's true and then yeah you're gonna get defensive and you're like no I don't like what did he say of course I find you attractive like what the fuck's wrong with you you're going crazy why are you being so irrational <laughs> you know and uh, then, yeah, because you're just like, oh, I'm being attacked and that's not my story and that's not true for me. And you're just throwing this story on me and I don't like it. So, yeah, then someone coming to you and saying that, yeah, I have this story. This is what's going on for me. I'm feeling self-conscious. I kind of want some validation. And you're like, oh, honey, like, yeah, of course I find you attractive. Sorry, I've been so busy and distracted. And, uh, you know, I don't want you to think that I feel that way about you. Of course, I feel different. Like that's going to have a much better outcome <laughs> than uh, the the person that's kind of attacking with the story. So this is why it's really important that we're aware of the way that the mind creates stories and the effect that that has. And yeah, just this way. Like I just find it so interesting. I've been really observing this in my own life um, the last like year or so. Just the way that that subtle energy of like if you hold a story about someone and you have this kind of like judgment of them that you've you know, told yourself that they are this way and you're holding that, then the way that that actually creates the, the exact thing, that, you know, that that creates the situation and the thing to cr give you more evidence that it's true. And I find it just so fascinating i've noticed it in myself like when i am feeling judged when i feel like someone's saying like you know they're holding this energy of like oh you're to this or to that or to whatever and then like i just feel that coming out even more <laughs> so that's why it's so important to like talk about it and to check our projections so and this is especially big for anyone that's a space holder uh why it's taught like inquiry processes are taught a lot if you are like a coach or facilitator or something because like when you're holding a story about one of your students or one of your um, patients or something like that then it can be really kind of psychologically damaging to them because they're coming to you for help and support and they're in your space and they're looking up to you and then you have this kind of like no you're a bit uh, 
And when you're holding that contracted, judgmental, pushing away energy about someone, then it can make them feel extra hurt because they've come to you for support and they look up to you. So I find it's like really needed for me when I notice that I'm getting a story about one of my participants or um, anyone that I'm working with and I notice that I've like created a bit of a story about them, then I have to really go do this work and look at it and look at, is it really true? And can I start to pick apart this story and this thought and be open to more possibility? And of course, we want to keep our discernment because a lot of the time our stories come as a survival protective mechanism of saying like, yeah, this person has displayed behavior that is like red flags, potentially harmful or abusive or dangerous. So then we'll create a story that like unsafe person and that's not saying like, oh, that's not true and you need to dissolve it. You shouldn't be judgmental or something because obviously we need to keep safe. So sometimes the story that we have about someone uh, can be helpful to know how to navigate with them and how to say like, yeah, you know, this, this person doesn't appear to be a safe person. I should probably not, you know, invite them over to my house or bring them near my children or something like that. Uh, but yeah, we can still see like, okay, it's a story and I'm open to seeing other evidence and looking for evidence that it's not true. So I try to do that with people that I do see as unsafe or potentially dangerous. It's to be like, okay, I'm aware of this. I'm going to be discerning and careful and uh, not just negate that story, but then also be open and willing to see evidence that it's not true and that people can change and they can grow and that, you know, we all can sometimes do things that are a bit dangerous or abusive, like if we're really overwhelmed or we're in a trauma response or something. So, you know, trying to just stay open-minded, open-hearted to the fact that maybe it's not true at all. So, yeah, I mentioned uh, the, uh, the work by Byron Katie, which is a very famous inquiry process. Something I like to do, I call embodied inquiry, which we can just go over a little bit. You can even do it now if you feel like it with me as I explain it. I like bringing the body in because we start to see the way our thoughts actually change our physical body. Like uh, if I'm believing a thought that's more negative or protective, then I often will feel a kind of contraction. And then when I'm feeling something that feels a lot more like loving or compassionate or kind, then I often feel a softening and an opening in my body. So I like to really play with accentuating these and moving between two sides. So if I, like we can do one for a story that we might have about ourselves. I'm a bit of a chaotic, messy person. <laughs> I've accepted this about myself. <laughs> Um, so, but sometimes I can get really overwhelmed by that. So one that I could do on myself is like, oh, like I'm so messy and disorganized and like, oh, and then maybe when I feel into that 
maybe it's an inner critic kind of voice or something that I tell myself about myself that kind of makes me shrink. Then I just want to feel like, oh, what happens in my body when I'm believing that thought? Like, oh, yeah, you're you're so chaotic and messy. It's just like, oh, and people get so annoyed by you because of it. And then, like, I want to accentuate that and really go into it. So really let my body go whatever position. Maybe it curls up. Maybe it's, like, a bit more open or maybe it's, like, protective or something so feeling what's true for your body what your body wants to do when it believes that thought letting yourself go into that and take a few breaths and just see what kind of thoughts and feelings come up when you really let yourself lean into that then you're going to feel into what either the opposite or a meta truth that i spoke about before this kind of bird's eye view of it might be so you know the opposite would be i really need untidy which isn't true so i mean sometimes i could be but you know it doesn't feel true so i wouldn't want to just like go into something that's not true but i can go into something that's like yeah like i uh you know i'm always like getting better at expanding my capacity to be able to have a more neat and tidy home like maybe just something like that feels like oh it feels true it's a little bit edgy or something but like I feel a difference in my body when I think of that so then I'm gonna like feel into what that wants to do to my body when I feel into the opposite thought and then I'm gonna let myself accentuate that even more so if if there is this kind of like opening or whatever then maybe I want to really like open my arms out wide Take a few deep breaths and really feel this expansiveness. And then you can go back and forth a few times. And you want to go really slowly and also feel this whole process in between because sometimes some really interesting things happen in between. So when I'm going from the expanded back into the contraction, back into, oh, and messy and chaotic. And uh, just notice that drooping inwards, the contraction, maybe you feel like armoring in your body where you feel this kind of hardening and this barrier, feeling that. And then again, slowly unfolding and opening again. It can also be something on the opposite like I'm not defined by the state of my things maybe that just feels like oh yeah the worthiness is not defined by how tidy or messy I am maybe I just feel like oh that feels like a relief it's fine everything's fine so going between this like expansion and contraction can be a really interesting process. And then we kind of find like what's the middle point where I can just be centered in myself and know that like, okay, that can be true. That can be true. It all can be true. And, you know, it doesn't really matter anyway. <laughs> and it's coming to just a sense of like being centered in yourself and feeling there's all these different parts of you. You're a multifaceted creature that's changing all the time. And you might have particular 
patterns that show up. Some of them are enjoyable. Some of them are probably a bit frustrating. And that's just the way that we are. So just being able to feel both sides. And yeah, so that's something you can do yourself, which I really recommend before going into a conversation where maybe you're addressing something that has a charge for you. If you have this story and you have this tension, you have a judgment about the person, you're really feeling that, then, you know, doing a little few minute process like that or some journaling around, is it true? What's the opposite? That kind of thing beforehand can really discharge the energy so that when you kind of come to the conversation then you can feel a little bit more open and the other person's going to feel more open too because you're not holding on to this like oh like descending contracted energy which yeah doesn't feel good to receive so yeah just finally around stories yeah we've you know, it's so common in dating, it's so common in relationships, and it's common in our sexuality as well, that we have a story. The story can even be something that seems kind of positive, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I might have a story that like, oh, yeah, I'm such a kinky sub freak, <laughs> you know, and that's like, oh, yeah, I love being kinky, I love being submissive, whatever. But if you call this story too much and you create an ego identity around it really strongly, then... What happens when suddenly you are in this spontaneous romantic encounter and maybe it calls for some of your dominant energy or uh, maybe one day you're just not feeling very kinky but you know now you've like created a story and you put pressure on yourself and it doesn't feel true anymore and it can feel really disorientating so I had this kind of happen where I'd, you know, worked with kink for so many years and it was a big part of my identity and I was having a lot of pain after this car crash and I just did not really actually want kink. I was like, I'm in enough pain. I'm in pain all the time. I actually just want some softness right now. But it was hard because I kind of had this story about myself being this kinky person that kink was a big part of my identity and a big part of my work. And it was like, I was kind of like trying to force myself into it. And I was like putting this weird pressure and putting pressure on my partner, even though like neither of us are really that into it at that point in time. And it was just so interesting that like this story, just because it had been true in the past and, you know, it is still true now, but like at that point in time, it just wasn't really true. But I had told that story so many times that it had was really impacting my present moment experience with my sexuality so we can just be aware as well of that that um our stories can really creep into our sex life and take us out of the present moment like this is always the thing with a story it takes us out of what's true and what's here in this very moment and in this interaction and it it tries to like put a solid defining line around like a person or a situation when everything's constantly changing and fluctuating and yeah there might be like specific patterns that show up over time but just knowing like yeah people always are changing and situations are always changing like even just 
within the amount of this talk. Like I've changed emotional states like multiple times. Like, you know, you're just constantly evolving and changing. So when we stick to our stories, then we actually stop our evolution and our growth because we're trying to define ourselves or define other people, define situations based on what they've been in the past. So we're not leaving this breathing room for the present moment and for what wants to change or evolve now. And yeah, this causes a lot of issues internally in relationship and in the world when people believe certain stories about, you know, certain races and they believe like, oh, like I'm entitled to this and this is just the way things are. and This is just how things go. Then that's how we end up with massive messes like global wars because people there's a whole bunch of people believing a story and then it seems like it starts to then have a real life effect because people believing the stories are taking real life action around these stories that they're believing but they actually are just stories i mean um, if anyone read sapiens they talk about how like all companies are just a story and money is just a story and like so many things that we think are real are actually just a story that we all collectively believe and participate in together. So, you know, you start pulling apart stories in your personal life and in your internal world, and then you start seeing the way that like, oh my God, so much of modern society is just a story that people are believing. That's not even really actually true or real. Uh, so yeah, it can get pretty messed up when you're on this journey. Uh, in the tantric path, we call this like uh, the culpas of stories and like the culpachaya is like the, process of dissolving stories and it's a big part of the spiritual awakening journey to start seeing through the illusions of this thanks for tuning in to this week's episode i hope you've enjoyed it and found it inspiring you can connect with me on instagram youtube facebook and through my website sensualartistry.com and sensualarts.school you can get some freebies and sign up to my mailing list to stay in touch. Hope to see you again soon.